I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, look, everybody, it's time to go out to the Boxer and Gerson guest line because it's time for Cleared to Play. We're going to take you inside the tent and get you updated on the latest injuries in the Bay. Proud to partner with UCSF Health on this segment and bring an associate professor of orthopedic surgery, Dr. Narav Pandya. Hey, Doc, what's going on? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. George Kittle's toe. What do you know? I'm not worried about it. I think Kyle Shanahan even said it's just a toe. Um, you know, in general, the only main, you know, the two main things you'd worry about, number one, did he fracture his toe? Doesn't sound like that happened. Um, and they didn't say that it was a turf toe issue, which is the only thing that you'd worry about, particularly at that position, to, to be bothersome. May just be a little contusion, maybe a little bit of a sprain, but I think more than anything else, there's no reason that someone like George Kittle needs to practice and aggravate something like that. So, if this goes on for three, four, or five days, then I'd be a little bit more worried. But um, he didn't go out in the game. There was no indication that this was bothering him while he's playing. So I think more than anything else, they're just trying to be safe and uh, not have anything lingering going into the Super Bowl. And I love Kyle's response today at the press conference, which was, no, it's just a toe. When asked if it was turf toe or a bruise, it's just a toe. And the same thing with Debo Samuel and his shoulder. We know that it wasn't, quote, broken. But what did you see from Debo in terms of his range of motion and his ability to play entirely against the Lions. I mean, after that cheap shot from C.J. Garner-Johnson, that looks great. You know, you get hit right in that area and that shoulder, and you got right back up. So um, I'm not super concerned about it. I mean, I think they said it was, quote-unquote, a deep bruise, which typically means, particularly when you see, like, his motion looks good, his mobility looks good, he probably kind of bruised the rotator cuff. And the good thing about bruising that area is that it's not as bad as when you tear something. There's a larger structural area that's impacted. This really is just a pain tolerance issue. And he didn't look like he was shying away from contact. He didn't have any issues in terms of mobility. He looked like the Debo Samuel that we're used to seeing. And typically with his deep bruises, they can take 10 to 14 days to get better. Um, So now he's got even more time to heal. So I don't anticipate there being any issue. Ruled out that fracture, ruled out something more major. So um, he should be good to go for the Super Bowl. Doc, can you take our listeners through the process of a stinger? We we, we watched Dre Greenlaw and Christian McCaffrey deal with uh, both of these. Um, And then suddenly it seems like they're just fine five minutes later. What's, What's that process like? Yeah, no, absolutely. Whenever kind of the, one of the key things we look for when anyone's kind of coming off the field, and they're kind of holding their arm down at the side, you know, number one, you're worried about if they dislocated the shoulder, but number two, you're then worried about a stinger. And, and typically, number one, you rule out any kind of concussion, any kind of more severe neck issue. But then really what's end up happening, it's almost like hitting your funny bone, but in a much larger area, you're getting stretching, you're getting kind of irritation in those nerves, and you literally can't move your arm. And based on the degree of injury to those nerves or stretch, sometimes it can be literally you know, 15, 20 minutes before it comes back. Sometimes it can take three to four days. But what you're looking for on the sideline is once you've ruled out that neck issue, you've ruled out a concussion issue, you say, look, is, that, is the pain gone? Is the tingling, burning pain gone? Can you move your arm normally, and is your strength there? Because, number one, it really just comes down to can the player protect themselves out on the field, and then, number two, can they be effective? But for a lot of these stingers, they will resolve pretty quickly. It goes from I can't move my hand, I can't move my arm, to suddenly I feel like I'm ready to play. The key thing, and I worry more about Greenlaw um, than, say, Purdy, who had it a couple weeks ago, is – you know, when, they, when they're close to, together, those nerves are a little bit more sensitive. So 
know, if there was a Super Bowl this week, I would be a little bit concerned about a recurrence risk, particularly at that position. But then you get to 14 days out, so that risk of it happening again is pretty low, barring some sort of big blow. And does that two-week gap give you a lot of faith that Eric Armstead can get closer to 100%? And what did you see from him on Sunday in terms of coming back from the plantar fascia issue and the knee trouble he's had? Yeah, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, in terms of him coming back, he seemed to be playing well, but it's really, okay, how can you respond when you've only got, you know, seven, eight days of rest in between games? Um, and you looked good. The issue with the plantar fascia and the knee is that it, this isn't going to get better till the end of the season. Like, this always probably is, if you'd ask him, there's some irritation, there's some degree of aggravation. The key is, can he play there for a large number of snaps, and is it impacting his movement, even if there is pain there? Um, and he's clearly showed back-to-back weeks he can play a lot of snaps, he can be impactful. Um, but I really think for this to become a non-issue. It's going to be an off-season of rest, but it clearly not, is not impacting his performance. And he looked great out there. He played a large number of snaps. You wouldn't know that he had a plantar fascia issue out there. He was planning and cutting and, and doing really well. So that's a very positive sign. Uh, Doc, just yesterday on our show, Steve Kerr said that uh, nobody's going to be able to acquire better players at the deadline than the Warriors because CP3 and GP2 and uh, it sounds like I'm listing off Star Wars droids, but uh, <laughs> Moses Moody as well. All of them are, are going to be back. Uh, g- maybe just give us a little bit on each one of them and, and what you expect as far as their ramp up. Yeah, so I think for Moody, probably the easiest one. I mean, it, it, you know, they said he had a grade one cast range, which is just kind of this microscopic hearing. And he, he's back on the court and practicing. So he's right within that one to two week timeline for a calf issue. I think in general, what you're looking at for them is, you know, can he get his conditioning back, uh, you know, with the time he's missed? Is he having pain when he's on the court? And then how does he feel afterwards? Um, and those are really the key determining factors. Some people get out after this kind of calf issue, and they're fine. They're, they're performing well on the court. They're not having soreness, and they jump right back in. You know, they can have a little bit of a minutes ramp up. But some players can take a little bit longer. But he's right on track. I think with CP3 in general, when you have uh, you know this fracture of the hand that he's had a lot of, usually most players return to play right around six weeks. It sounded, based on the reports, that he's starting some on-court work. Typically, with if they use plates or screws or pins or whatever to fix it, the bone is pretty solid at this point, but it's about getting that strength back, and particularly at the point of guard position, you need to have that fine motor skill to be able to dribble, etc. So I do feel that probably he's got a couple weeks away just due to the fact of his age and the fact he has to get that hand mobility back. But in general, I think he should be able to jump right back in because these injuries don't necessarily impact performance when he's going to be a player. I think GP2 is the biggest unknown. Um, you know, obviously he's had in the past his compromised core, and then he had the calf issue, and then he had hamstring issue, and you pile up all these soft tissue injuries. And for someone who maybe like, like you know plays the five like Looney, who doesn't necessarily move around a lot, it's not super explosive. You'd be like, look, we can get you back in, not a big deal. But for GP2, all those areas that are injured are the areas that he depends upon to be effective. So number one, can he be effective? And number two. Are you making sure that he doesn't get that second injury? So some people say it's just a hamstring. Why isn't he back out there? I think it's the injury that GB2 has had as a whole that you want to make sure he doesn't get so he can actually be effective for the players and be that quote-unquote free agent signing that they need. Yeah. Doc, great stuff, and, uh, and thank you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Yep. All right, there it is. The proceeding was sponsored by UCSF Health. Um, Like, knock on wood, knock on the side of your head, everything. I know there are practices still coming, but, uh, but my God. You, you, you go through a 49er season, especially the ones that we've seen in recent memory, and you could not have asked for a better scenario to get all the way to the end and 
relatively, I'm sure all the guys, if they're listening right now, are like, sure. yeah, dude, I'm in total pain <laughs> exactly. every day. Stop t- saying that I'm perfect. I-, I-, I get it, but my God, you could not have asked for more access to your roster than the 49ers have. Hufanga would be great. I get it, but you, you-, you really couldn't have asked for a better scenario in terms of health in a Super Bowl season. Yeah, Shanahan earlier today talked about George Kittle toe won't practice. Ambry Thomas ankle limited. Oren Burks shoulder limited. And that's it. I mean, that's not... Or a week and a half away. Exactly. Yeah. So the limited guys, I mean, you're still going through practice. And George Kittle's toe, he'll be fine. The follow-up was, with George's toe, is it a turf toe or a bruise? Any concern with that? And Kyle says, no. It's just a toe. It's just a toe. It's just a toe. So There's nine more of them. Exactly. Exactly. It's just a toe. It's not a turf toe. It's not a torn ligament. It's not a bruise. It's not broken. It's an owie. It's just a toe. Yeah. Exactly. You got an owie. And George, I mean, he sure looked fine to me. And if the toe was bugging him, then it was bugging him in the first half, not the second half, because the second half he made a couple of big plays in the past game. Um, and he got a pancake in the first half. Oh, yeah. On, He's on, eating pancakes. On Aiden Hutchinson. Yep. Um, no wonder he got injured. Uh, pancakes aren't good for you. But anyway, uh, like I, I just look at where we've been, this conversation, the quarterback injuries that repeatedly were happening last year, um, and uh, and all the concern. Remember at the beginning of the year about Christian McCaffrey, like oh God, you got to stop giving him the ball so much. Right. Get it? How are you going to wear him out? Like to get to here and have the roster look and feel like this is just uh, it's a relief. Quite frankly, it's a, it's a relief. On two fronts. A, the Niners are going to need to be at their best, obviously. But B, um, this is one of those things that I think, you know, it busts the narrative a little bit. Kyle Shanahan's way injures people. They're too physical, what have you. I've thought for years, you can't go into football and start coming up with narratives with regard to health. It's insanely violent. It's impossible to hold back. Go half speed. It's impossible to protect people. You just got to cross your fingers and try to get to the end. And uh, and here they are. And and so that's uh, that's fantastic. 95-7, the game, breaking news. Boys, I got two pieces of NBA news for you. First, a good thing, and it's local. Your 2024 NBA West All-Star Reserves have come out. Steph Curry's on that list, along with Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, and Carl Anthony Towns. On the other side of this, I have some negative news, and it happened in our backyard. Joel Embiid and the 76ers were here uh, just a couple days ago, and Joel Embiid has suffered what is now known as a torn meniscus in his left knee after Jonathan Kaminga dove for a loose ball and rolled up on that left knee. I wish we had this before Doc came on. We could ask him, but a quick yep. Google search will tell you it's looking like about six to eight weeks without Joel Embiid. Yeah, I'm yeah. oh what, yeah. What well, it could be longer depending yeah. on the uh, the mode of surgery. And I know this because I went through it. And if you have the the simple cleanup, you're back in six to eight weeks. But if you have the the repair, which is what athletes normally go through, they go through the repair of the meniscus, and you're out much longer. Than that, if you just remove the meniscus, you come back quicker. But if you're Joel Embiid and you're 28 yeah. years old, 
It's, you might opt for the longer procedure in order to preserve that knee for the entirety of your career. Changes the uh, Eastern Conference playoff yeah, outlook does. for sure. The way Woj phrases this is that uh, he will be out through the weekend while a treatment plan is finalized. So obviously he's going to be out longer than the weekend, and the Warriors do play the Sixers again in six days, I think. So there will be no Joel Embiid there, and I'm sure Draymond Green will have more to say about this as well since the other night. He kind of tied two things together, which was Joel pushing through injury to play so that he could rack up games for the MVP race, and now has a more serious injury and is going to miss a whole lot of time. All right, so we can continue to react to that and get back to your 49er phone calls. Uh, 888-957-9570 is the number, and this is Willard and Dibs. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. We'll get back to the calls here in uh, in just a, a, a moment. I, um, I'm also torn. Like a meniscus. Yeah, a little bit like that. A little bit like that, although it'll take me a lot less time to get back or get to a final answer. Yeah. Uh, fun to listen to Bonte and Joe uh, this morning batting around something based off of uh, a tweet that I put out. Because, and I put it out for multiple reasons, I really do want to know what everybody thinks is the best place in the whole Bay Area to go watch this game. I really would love to know. Because I'm also, I'm one of these people, I was born here, raised here, worked somewhere else for a while, and I'm back. But I also, uh, as uh, as a single dad and somebody who works 43 jobs, I, I don't quote get out much so a lot of these places that people are throwing at me i've heard of them i've never been to a lot of them and i want the absolute perfect place to watch the game however the guys this morning brought up a fair point and we do have a poll running on youtube right now how are you going to watch the uh the super bowl watch party with friends or at home alone in peace right now 58 percent of the respondents have said at home alone in peace and i get it i'm a people person i'd love to have strangers high-fiving each other at a bar with a good bottle of something right in front of us and nachos like i'm in i'm in but is the super bowl maybe a little bit too much for that like the desire to be with like-minded people up against the desire to not have someone say the wrong thing in the wrong moment. Right, right. When there's a holding penalty or something like that. I don't know. I'm torn. Tough call. It is. Tough call. And for me, it's even tougher because the watch party, quote-unquote, that I would go to 
would be Justin Sanchez's house in Oakland, and he's a diehard Niner fan. Okay. And his parents and his sister, who I know, and his kids and his lovely wife, Nicole, and friends and family, for the most part, it's probably 70 to 80% Niner fans. Now, there is the, there's the odd Raider fan, and shout out Rich and Amy, who are both from uh, the Michigan area, so they're Lions fans, so they... Oh. You know, and, and they're they come by it honestly, and I felt for them last weekend, and you know that's just the way that goes. But I don't think that they would root intentionally for the Chiefs. It'll be a Chief-free environment. Yes, and it's a spot where I could take the baby, and I know the baby will be well looked after because that's obviously a factor. I've got a 17-month-old baby, so I'm not going to be able to go to. A bar, for example, and get raucous and rowdy with my 17-month-old. That's not that's not not a win for anybody. So it's either watch it at home. And two years ago, I actually watched the Super Bowl with my at the time he was the fulfill the future father-in-law, <laughs> and it was nice. It was a controlled environment. Yes, it was nice. And you know, last year I was at your house, which was wonderful. Didn't bring the baby. She was five months old at the yeah, time. Yeah, would not have been appropriate. No, but now at 17 months, she can at least, like, you know, chase the dog and bug people and Perfect. be held That's and run what around. Everybody wants at a Super Bowl party is a child uh, running around with knives. That would be fantastic. She actually has oh, a, uh, a predilection toward knives. Love a great distraction during the big game. It's the and, best. <laughs> especially a baby with a toddler with cutlery. And I showed you the picture of her or the video of her at home with the oh, dishwasher God. and she she goes right to the knives i'm telling you man dude she i don't know maybe it's the dibber side of her but you open the dishwasher <laughs> and she immediately will go for the I'm knives playing with knives yeah no i listen she will cut you it's not even just i bet it's not even just <laughs> like-minded people can i can this is an admission i i, I want to apologize for these this are order. my confessions i gotta apologize there are some Niner fans that I don't even like. I can't be with you in the big moments sometimes. They bug you? Well, my dad is even one of them. Love him. We don't get to watch many games anymore together, and I really love uh, doing anything with Pops. But Pops and I also, we don't have the same view when something is going wrong. Like, in other words, here's what I don't want to do this at the Super Bowl. I, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want two plays in, okay? First down, Brock Purdy out to the flat, Debo gains four. Second down, we're going to throw it out to the right to Kittle, incomplete. It's third and six on the opening possession. And guy next to you. This freaking Shanahan guy doesn't know that we need to run the ball. I don't want to watch the game with you. You're bugging me because you're losing your mind way too early. I love that. You got to calm down. Fourth and three at the 41. Shanahan calls for the punt. Here he goes again, turtling up in the big game. I can't. Shanahan. I can't. I'm coaching not, to lose. I'm not saying it's all got to be rose petals and Cheerios. <laughs> I'm not saying that. We can get loud. We can get into it. Here we go again, but Shanahan. If, if I hear that, <laughs> I'm heading for the exit. I'm out. I don't want to watch with you if you're going to get mad at the team in the Super Bowl 
32 seconds into the game. Here we go again, Shanahan. I just... <laughs> it's so funny. Please. Please. Especially in light of what we just saw. And it's funny because I I don't do this often, but I did a halftime video. And I I went up to make you the did. bed, and the baby's downstairs with mom and grandma. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a halftime video. It made me laugh, by the way. It did. Because I did a video. Because I don't normally do well, videos. But also because it was like, you know, things aren't going well. They should do something different. And I'm well, like, and I actually yes. laid out what they should do. <laughs> yeah, yes, and it did. turned out you what did. they should do is exactly what I said they should do. So I felt good about that. But the other piece of it, Mark, is that normally I would be in a space of, geez, I mean, what are we going to do in the off season? Because this thing is cooked. Right. But I, for some reason, I wasn't in that headspace, even though it was 24-7 and they looked awful. In my mind, there was still a chance, and so that's why I laid out I love that. a couple of things that I thought that they needed to adjust to, and that's why the video went that way, because normally... I would be like the people that you don't like. Well, they, I'd be saying, mm, like, this thing's over. I mean, I, mean, I who, can't see. I can't. Do who that. are we gonna get in the draft next well, year? I can't do that. Purdy, I, I don't want, rhymes with turdy. I don't want people who are gonna be talking about refereeing all afternoon. Oh, you're I not know. watching it with your kids nope. then? Apparently, <laughs> actually, I'm chips not. off the old block. Tell you last year at the Super Bowl. Well, he had a lot of money on the line. Whatever. I'm wearing stripes. Next time, I'm wearing stripes all day next Sunday. Guess who wins that pool if the Niners win this year? Is it you? Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch? We lead that thing. But I'm stuck. This is the second time this has happened. It happened in this same pool when they played the uh, the Ravens oh, with geez. Kaepernick. Yeah. No, you're like... And this I, is a pick and pool with... I'm not uh, supposed to hedge, right? In other words, how much are you willing to? How much are you standing to make? Uh, is it? And you don't have to say the amount. A little bit is, over half a unit. Okay, so is it enough <laughs> to where, if you lost, you would feel bummed? Versus, would you be willing to take off half of what you're going to win and hedge it? You well, know, no, it, you don't get. You, it's all or nothing. No, but you would hedge it by making a bet somewhere else. Is my point. Well, okay, so yes. So I here's could do my that. Thing. If I you're standing to win, let's say you're going to win seventy two hundred dollars in this pool. I'm not going to win that much. I'm just saying. Right. If you're going to win seventy two hundred bucks, if the Niners win, then you might want to make a two thousand dollar bet. The other way on the Chiefs. I hear you. That way, if the Niners win, you win fifty two hundred, and if the Niners lose, you still get that two grand the backside. Isn't there something karmic about this though? That's the way I always feel. I don't want any piece of me feeling any tiny little bit of good if the Chiefs win. I want none of it. But if you were going to stand to make that it. much money, I get it. The hedge. Now, if you're going to make, I'm not. I'm not exactly. But so let's just say you're going to win five hundred bucks. Okay. And let's just let's call it five hundred. More than that. But okay. Anyway, let's just ahead. call it five hundred. Yeah. Okay. So is five hundred bucks going to change your life? Probably not. So do you want to hedge out and put two hundred on the Chiefs, knowing that your five hundred becomes no. three, or you win two on the backside? It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. And it's bad karma, even though I don't even necessarily right. believe in all that. But I mean, it's just. But I mean, right. if I was going to make 7,200, if that was the, the number, I might think about a hedge because 7,200 is, gee, 7,200 or zero, I'll take two grand in the hand and sacrifice it knowing that my 7,200 becomes 5,200. You know, 5,200 or two grand, yeah. Versus seventy two hundred or nothing. That. I get that. So to me, the hedge depends on how much you're standing to make. Here's another you one. Know? Here's another one. Okay, 
And this is another admission. I get it. I know what I've said about Brock Purdy all year long. I know. Gushing. So some of you think that this is now like this personal thing. And in an odd way, it has become that, which has nothing to do with Brock Purdy. But let's be honest. If he doesn't play well and they lose, there are consequences for me. Personally, (laughs) on this very show. I don't want to be around people. If Brock Purdy throws a pick, that will not go well for me. If I'm in a big room and I start hearing the voices, Jim is about 13 feet away. Uh, this guy, this kid's choking. Jim, I need you to, I need you to go to the bathroom. Down I ten need, nothing in the second I quarter. And Purdy a, throws a take pick. Take a walk. <laughs> take a walk because he's gotten the 49ers to the NFC title game both years and in the Super Bowl, and I'm not the kind of fan that likes to leave their people when one thing goes wrong. I should watch by myself, shouldn't I? I mean, with or, the lovely Christy. With, with the Christy. lovely Christy. Yes, because Chris, that's safe space. Well, that's and the safe. two of you. She knows the journey. She knows what the hell is going honestly, on. Honestly, as positive as you are, she might be another notch or two above you. Which is why no when doubt. I see the two of you together, sometimes my stomach turns. Right, yeah. Because you want to strangle me. I get it. I love, Our Instagram is nauseating. I love the I two totally of you together. It. it makes me happy that you're both so happy and that you have found each other. But at the same time, there is that part of me, and you know me pretty well now, Mark. There's part of me that's like, you two make me sick. Yeah, yeah. Which is why we you need should, to just be together, be around people. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here imagining this right now. What do y'all think? Do you want people? Like, if you're a big Niner fan, I think this is interesting. Totally. In the NFC Championship game, we wanted people. Now we are on an inverted pyramid. We had lots of people for the Packer game. Just a sprinkle of people. Gotcha. For the Lions game. I like the inverted pyramid. And I'm thinking no people for because this is getting too big. It's too big. Yeah. And it's the end. Right? It like it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Like you made it to the end. And so this is it. In other words, it, it this is a pretty great experience. I'm not saying oh, moral victory. But it's you even detailed. It's different if you get all the way to the end and lose. Yeah. You made it to all the games. There's no other games. You missed nothing. Exactly. So, obviously, really, really, really want them to win. Big, big different than losing. I get it. But I just... The emotions go to a certain spot where I don't know if people is a good thing. Because there's too many comments. Yeah, people are drinking. Can I jump in with they a really quick story? Say here? things that they don't mean. <laughs> Come on in, yes. Lucas. Hi, Lucas. The I last time the Niners, you. the last time the Niners were in the Super Bowl back in 2020, right before yes, the pandemic. We remember it. Yeah, of course. That weekend, my buddy got married in Jamaica. So I was in Jamaica. I know Blue Grandy. It's okay. He's cutting sound. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. He he set he set. <laughs> yeah, thank you. His wedding. Yeah. On Super Bowl weekend. He's a Packers fan. It's all good. But the rest of it, it, it was a safe date it's for the not Packers. all good. But anyway, go ahead. A bunch of us Niners fans, we all watched the Super Bowl together. He got married on Saturday. We all got to this really nice okay. place. I'll watch it together. 
right with what you're talking about. You're watching with a bunch of people, not all football fans, definitely not all Niners fans, me and a couple of my buddies sweating this whole thing out, 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, getting fired up. There's one instance that sticks with me and will stick with me forever that makes me never want to watch football in one of these settings again. Okay. You know, as sports fans do, something good happens and you scream, let's go! Yes. Girl, eh, maybe 10 feet away from me goes, quietly. Let's go where? Where are we going? (laughs) (laughs) Took everything in my being not to freak out. And this was as it was crumbling in the fourth quarter. It's not even a good joke. It's not even a good joke. Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. We don't get to do this very often. Don't. You know what? Here's the moral of the story. Because who cares where the hell I watch the game? But for all of you, don't be those people. If you're going to go somewhere and it's in public, honestly, now I mean this, be very aware of what you yell because it can really, really stick with people. For sure. For sure. I mean, you get to be emotional. You get to be frustrated when it's not going well. You get to do somersaults when it is. That's that's the deal. But, man, choose your friends wisely in this one because, oh, my God. Gosh, some people are really annoying. Well, and some people want to declare it's over when you're either ahead late or behind late. And as we learned this past Sunday, and as we learned last time the Niners were in the Super Bowl, that thing's not over until it's actually over. And I was at Justin's house, the great Justin Sanchez. He's gotten a lot of mentions, and he deserves them all. Great host and a great firefighter in Oakland. Thank you for all you do. And... That party was a party. Love it. Until it wasn't. And when that thing started to turn and the Chiefs scored and then the Niners didn't move the ball and then the Chiefs Uh. scored again and then the Chiefs scored again, all of a sudden the house started to empty and the beers were getting drank at a rapid succession and it was like, wow, that escalated quickly. You just got to be careful when your team's in it. That's all I'm saying. Like yeah. last last year, you came over, you got drunk, and, and it, you know true. what I mean. And you and we got not well. You know what I mean. Got into it with your you, nine year old. You got whatever. loose. You got loose. <laughs> we started ripping referees, uh, and, not and, okay. and, and it was hilarious because it was the Eagles and the Chiefs. So in the end, who really gives a rip except right. for my son who won six hundred dollars, which to him is like a million for sure. Right? Okay, great. So there's that side of it. It's a different deal. When your team is in it, and you really got to think about your company. And if you go out, I mean, you're just throwing a feather into the wind. You have no idea who you're going to be sitting next to. Good point. That's a good point. I mean, I I remember NFC title game. uh, Crispy surprised me with a trip to Vegas the year they lost to the Rams. And when you go to Vegas, and I bet a lot of you are doing this, you might go to Vegas, but you don't have tickets to the game. Well, Vegas turns into nothing but watch parties. Every single establishment, um, you, a lot of you have probably been online it, this week looking at these places. What's it going to cost? You can't just walk in. You can't just go to a bar in Vegas like, hey, can we come in and watch the Super Bowl? No. Like, people, somebody paid $200 for that table and has a drink and a food minimum and all. Like, it's all really squared away. And we did that for the NFC title game against the Rams, and we lucked out. Like it was, 
It was mostly 49er fans. There's good people around us. But, man, when, when something like that gets frustrating in those big moments, I, I hope you're surrounded. Because, honestly, that's where, that's where somebody also holes off and socks somebody, too. For sure, too. for sure. It's like, just don't say the wrong thing at the wrong time. There's too much going on right Your now. Your surroundings can change the vibe of anything at any time. And I went to the Heat Warrior game earlier with my lovely wife, Supper. FP was about four seats over, and the game started getting away. We had a great section, lovely group in front of us and next to us. We're having a good time. Early fourth quarter, the people to my right left, and all of a sudden these two Heat fans who were had been seated <laughs> up above... They come down and they sit next to us. About eight minutes to go, and the Heat are up seven, and then the Heat go up 14, and that thing slips away, and this dude is just running his mouth, and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, we're looking at this guy, and it's like, we had a nice section. You weren't here, bud. And all of a sudden, now you're here, and he kind of ruined it. And the, the lovely couple, these two ladies in front of us, probably in their early 60s. They were having a lovely time. Yep. They kept looking back at him and looking back at him. About three minutes to go, they just stood up and they left. <laughs> and I was like, man, I felt bad for them yeah. because none of us was happy because I mean, they lost the game. Right. But they went from, a, oh, there's a bummer, Warriors lose, to you're a jerk young, in young, a heartbeat. Younger me wouldn't have even had this conversation. It, 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 get out You'd of my... throwing hands? No. like get, uh-huh. I would not have been around people. I'll never forget where I was for the quake of 89, watching my dad's tennis trophies fly across his den. Why was I in there? Because I closed the door. The Giants were about to play the A's for game three, and I was in don't-talk-to-me mode. Get the hell away from me. The door is closed. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to hear that the umpire missed that curveball. I don't want to hear it. I just want to lock the bleep in. Um... You calm down when you yeah. get older. Well, never made it to first pitch that day. Exactly. I was in my dorm room in, uh, in Northridge, and my roommate was talking to his grandma who lived in the city, and she said, oh, Matthew, I think we're having an earthquake. And at that moment, the TV goes, Yep, flip. She had it first. Your roommate was Sally Struthers' grandson? Well, apparently. Okay. For just 22 cents, <laughs> you can save the life of a puppy dog. Uh, hey, uh, Tammy in Fremont wants to talk Tammy. about this. Hi, Tammy. What are you doing? Hey, not much. First time caller. Um, been a Niners fan, Warriors fan, and Giants fan for years. Good for you. 45 years or so. Love it. And... Uh, have three sons. I have five children all together, but I have three sons. They purposely picked the opposite team of mine just oh, to be difficult. Oh, oh God. Tammy. Yeah, so that's, just a, cert- that's just a certain Niners, age. That's a certain age. For the Raiders. Yep. Of course, yep. they never had to meet very often, which was fine. But all those years of LeBron and my Warriors, I never heard the end of it to the point that poor mom would cry sometimes because they like to rub LeBron in my face constantly. So I just thought I would share that because sometimes you don't get a choice in who your mixed company is. A- amen to that. Family. No, uh, Tammy, thank you. My sister, who is uh, almost three years older than me, famously in Super Bowl, was it 19? Super Bowl 19, the year they waxed the Dolphins, 38-16. Uh, wasn't that in like 1986 or so? 1986 would have had me. Yeah, 85. 85, okay, but the 86 Super Bowl, right? No, it was the 85 85. Super Bowl. 85, all right. So that would have me at 
uh, 10 years old, which would make my sister 13. I don't know if any of you have ever met 13-year-old girls before. They are not necessarily agreeable to their parents. Shout out Hurricane Gail. So what did my sister show up to our Super Bowl party in? Uh, That would be orange and aqua streamers attached to her hair and orange and aqua face paint, even though she didn't know the first thing about who was playing but draped in Dolphins gear oh. from head to toe. Why? Because 13. Yeah. That's it. Bad day for her. 38-16, am I right? Huge Niner fan now. Huge Niner yeah, fan. Yeah, that's unacceptable. She, she grew out of it. She grew out of it. She's <laughs> not going to be rocking any uh, Chiefs garb next Sunday. Oh, my gosh. She's literally turned into the biggest 49er fan I know. It's so funny. She can't even breathe during these games. She thinks that George Kittle and Debo Samuel are related to her. It, I mean, it is <laughs> completely out of control and and a whole lot of fun all at the same time. She's texting constantly during these games. And I'm not answering any of them. Right. That's the other thing. I don't want any people and I don't want any phones. I don't want any phones. Yeah, I don't. I don't text a lot or tweet a lot during these games. Maybe the occasional tweet, but I, I try to just. I don't know, Mark. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the game. Watch the game. And if I have thoughts for you, I'll probably save them for either after the game or for, I don't know, 20 hours I spend with you. I love my friends so much, I don't have the heart to tell. Don't text me. Oh, that was a crappy call. Oh, what a catch. Oh, that was a good throw. Oh, my God. He's great. Put your phone down. Yeah. Put your put put your phone down. And that's my thing about Twitter is you follow all these people on Twitter and it's like Branch and Mayoko and Barrows and it's you know Kittle eight yard catch second and two and you see that same tweet like seventeen times. It's like okay guys, got it. We're all watching. Uh, Thank you. It's presented by Fremont Bank, full service banking, no compromises. We keep going on your phones. Tim's been super uh, patient. Tim, you'll lead us off. Coming up next, our conversation with Peter King is around the corner as well. Hey, want to be featured on the Red and Gold Hotline? Give it a ring and leave a message. Let us know how excited you are about your team being in the big game. 628-400-9880. That's 628-400-9880. That's brought to you by Psalm Station Wine, the wine company. Experience some of the best wines you've yet to discover at psalmsation.com. This is Willard and Dibs. The Road to Vegas is brought to you by Marowest Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, together. It's a great question. That was not a great question. That was just probing crap. Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. That's what Nick Bosa said to Larry Kruger when he asked him about the Chiefs' offensive line. It's actually not what he said. He gave a pretty uh, pretty interesting answer. Want to hear it? He was asked about Kansas City's tackles. Taylor and Smith, when you watch them uh, on film, Taylor's, I think, leaves the NFL. ton of penalties. Anything stand out when you watch them? They hold a lot. Woo! Okay, Nick. Nick is going straight to the Phil Jackson school of the playoffs, which is start working the refs now. And after what happened last time, sure, you should. You should. The Niners are better on the edges in this particular matchup. 
And I think Nick probably feels like the only way Kansas City can uh, can beat him is by holding him. Yeah. And, and so start getting the officials' attention on it right now. And I'm sure that that's not going to permeate a crew this far in advance, but they will have watched the game, I'm sure, from four or five years ago, and they will have known that Nick Bosa was held on that play. It's the same head referee, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, it the is. The same white hat that had that assignment. So I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see an early hold against Kansas City in that very similar circumstance. That would be great. First and 20. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Knock them back. Knock them back. They'll take everything they can get in this one. Uh, it's Willard and Dibbs. So glad you're with us. Peter King conversation was great, and we'll have that for you in its entirety coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, one of the things we asked him, uh, we talked about the two coaches, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, if he could pick one to coach this game, which one would he pick? And that led to a very interesting story about Andy Reid. So, um, that's all coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so. Let's go to Tim in Philly. Hi, Tim. What are you doing? How you doing, gentlemen? It's been a while. Indeed. What's up? Not much. First and foremost, congratulations on you guys making the Super Bowl. Well, Thanks, thank, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Uh, the, yeah, anytime. Fun time. Um, but yeah, last time we talked, I was giving my feedback on what I saw from Brock Purdy. Now that... Um, you know, you guys have been on national television. I've been able to watch him a little bit more in bigger games and wanted to provide my input. <clears throat> Would love to hear it, Tim. All right. So we were on different spectrums last time. I told you I didn't see what you guys saw in Brock Purdy. I see why you guys like him. He's a good football player. Um, I'm just not ready to tell you guys that he's an upper echelon quarterback in this league. Sometimes I feel like the San Francisco fan base believes he's the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> uh, I'm not ready to go there. <laughs> um, but he's a good quarterback, and what's really important is that the 49ers around him believe in him. And I think that's really geared you guys to make those past comebacks, both against Packers and the Niners. I'll also say this, Tim, and I don't know how long you've really been dialed in to uh, to trying to check out Brock Purdy. And, and I do remember our conversations from a few weeks ago yeah. about it. But I, here's what I'll say. If you just tuned in for the playoffs, uh, you actually have not seen the best of Brock Purdy. I, I, I'm willing to admit that. He has not played great. And, and part of the time, that's obvious. First half against Green Bay, for, for example. Um, but even what we watched in the second half of the game against the Lions, I thought it was good, and his ability to run when everything broke down obviously won the game. But while that's wonderful and talented, it's also not what the 49ers are setting out to do. They're not setting out to like drop back and have him run around and, uh, and create things with his legs. So the 49er offense that you've seen the last couple of weeks, Tim, um, you, can, you can say whatever you want about it. it. It has not been at its best. There's no question. I agree. I think, I, I think about this every time I probably watch them play. I'm very jealous that you guys get to sit down every Sunday and watch Christian McCaffrey play for your football team. It's pretty I'm fun. Very jealous. Yeah, it's that pretty fun, Tim. It's a good player. Yeah. 
He's a good player, but here's the other thing. And Tim, thanks so much for calling back. I mean, it, it, it all, this is, no one wants to hear this because it's just not a good sports media take. But the whole thing works together. And this is why I do get bothered by whether it's, uh, uh, what's his name? The, Ryan Clark? Ryan Clark. Oh, he doesn't elevate the people around him. And then here's Cam Newton. Well, he's not even what, a top 10 player on his own team. Are, are, here's something we could get into. Are you all under the impression that Christian McCaffrey looks like that no matter who his quarterback is? Because that's crazy. You all are nuts if you think that part of why McCaffrey looks the way he does is because of Brock Purdy. That goes both ways. It absolutely goes both ways. It's just like Kyle Shanahan calling a play. Well, he's got Kyle Shanahan calling a play. Right, and Kyle has Brock Purdy running the play. These things work in concert together. And if a defense cannot zero in on one part of your offense, that makes everything around you stronger. It makes the defense weaker. It makes you more effective. The 49ers have outgained their opponents yard for yard more than any other team in football. I don't know why we're so hell-bent on figuring out who's the one person who's responsible for that. There are a bunch of people responsible for that. And I'm telling you that the holes that are open for McCaffrey and the receiving yards that he has and all of these things, a lot of that has to do with the production that they get from the guy who starts with the ball. Right, and the production they get from the five guys who block and the scheme that's designed and the fakes that are being made by other players. The whole thing works in concert more than in any other sport. In baseball, you have a good hitter, and it doesn't matter what the other eight guys in the lineup have done, for the most part, in terms of what that guy is going to do in his at-bat. If you're good enough and you can beat the pitcher and you can hit the ball hard, you're going to be productive. Even if the guy in front of you isn't great, you're still going to be a productive hitter if you're a good hitter. In basketball, as an individual, you can take the game over, and yeah, your teammates matter, but they matter less than they do in the NFL. If you don't have a good offensive line, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is and how good your skill guys are, you're going to struggle. So... It all goes from the scheme to the O-line to the quarterback to the skill guys. It's all interrelated. And if Cam Newton wants to look at any number, look at what uh, Christian McCaffrey did when you were quarterback, Cam. Hmm. When McCaffrey played 16 games with you, his numbers were paltry. So if anybody didn't make the people around him better, it was you, Cam. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because the defense could key on Christian McCaffrey because Christian had an inaccurate quarterback when he played with Cam Newton. Now, he has an accurate quarterback. Right. And those 10 percentage points in terms of completion matter. They really do. So, the whole thing works together, and this is one of the fundamental pieces of the point I've been trying to make about Brock Purdy since last year. I think, I think, it's crazy talk to believe that in the NFL... An offense can function at a high level and win a lot of games with mediocrity at quarterback. That's absurd. It does not exist. Even if you want to give me your traditional examples of Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer. Yeah. Right. Those weren't high-functioning offenses. No. 
They were mediocre offenses paired with absolutely epic defenses. They knew, don't turn the ball over, and we're going to have a really good shot to win. But go look at all of the of the stats and tell me when Dilfer erased a 24-7 deficit. Didn't happen. Didn't exist. I don't think his defense ever gave up 24, period, let alone in right, a half. Right. Okay? So... That, to me, is fundamental to the entire conversation. You do not get a high-functioning offense and a team that appears in the Super Bowl with mediocrity at quarterback. Now, Tim calls up and says, it feels like a lot of 49er fans want to make this guy the second coming. or right. not, And I hear that. Maybe there is some of that. I don't believe that. I don't think he is Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's ever going to be Patrick Mahomes. What, what Where I get into the conversation, though, is when people start saying things that would suggest mediocrity, but that's elevated because of surroundings. It's completely the other way around, and I don't believe that that, that point even exists. You, you do not get this functioning offense at this level with mediocrity at quarterback. That's a fallacy. Well, I don't think that you get to where he is as a starter. 17 and 4 in the regular year, 21 and 5 overall as a starter. You don't get to that level and this is no longer small sample size Steve, Mark. We're talking about 26 games including five playoff games and he's won 21 of the 26 and one of the games that he lost, he only played about a quarter because his arm got ripped off. Now, it's still a loss, and I believe that, but in terms of all the games he's played, he's won 21 of the 26 games that he has started. So this is no longer a small sample. So is the truth somewhere between the Cam Newtons and what Tim was saying about many Niner fans want to exalt him as the second coming? I think that that's a little bit overdone and overdramatic, but he's certainly not the 11th best player on their team. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. You're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch and YouTube, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.